Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, beauty. It's been um, about two weeks, I think, since my last podcast episode. And thank you for your patience as I got through U.S. Thanksgiving and just a lot of changes happening behind the scenes at Bookwifery headquarters these days. So some um, more info on that to be coming over the next several episodes. Invited, Excited to invite you into some of those changes. Um, but today, I'm excited to kind of do the follow-up episode to the previous episode. So episode 23 was, is it time for you to birth a book? And this episode 24 is all about how to birth a book. So I'm going to kind of break down for you what it is that I lead people through doing here at Bookwifery. So just kind of an overview of how to walk through the process of book pregnancy. Um, kind of hitting some of the the major highlights of this process that it would just be good for you to be aware of if you're kind of managing your own book pregnancy on your own, what are some of the big things you need to be thinking about? So um, a couple things I want to mention here at the start. The first is that I did another episode back at the beginning of the Book With Free podcast. Episode number six is all about what happens in each trimester of book pregnancy. So in that episode, I broke this process down by trimester and talked about, you know, um, what happens in the first trimester, what happens in the second trimester, third trimester, delivery, and postnatal. Um, so if you want to think about your book pregnancy in those terms, you might go check out episode six. Um, this episode is going to talk more about kind of conceptually the kinds of things that go into book pregnancy and um, what's important, what order does it make sense for those important things to go in, how does one thing lead to the next, and less talking about like the pregnancy metaphor and more just talking about the nuts and bolts of what goes into this. The other thing I want to mention before we dive in is that um, it's becoming so increasingly clear to me uh, the more that I do this work that what I really offer to folks here at Bookwifery is a combination of discernment work and project planning. So birthing a book is like this major project that you undertake. And I've been been noticing just from the feedback that I get from my students that a lot of the value of what they receive from, from Bookwifery is just this, this project plan. It's like step by step, do this first, now do this next, and then this third and all of that and kind of doing things in order, putting things in front of you when you need to be thinking about them, taking things off your plate if you don't need to worry about it yet. And so I've been kind of uh, chuckling to myself that this person that I am that has loved planners and goal setting and breaking pro- breaking goals down into smaller and smaller chunks in order to hit them. I've enjoyed doing that for so long and uh, get really fanatical about my planners. And um, it's just funny to me that a lot of what I do today in my work is basically project planning. <laughs> and so, um, so if that sounds good to you, if you love the thought of someone kind of helping you manage your project by the project of birthing a book by putting it into the bite-sized chunks that you need, putting in front of you what you should be doing first, second, third, fourth, and taking you through a process so that you basically are managing your own project in a very um, manageable way, um, then I encourage you to go to bookwifery.com slash expecting 
and sign up to be notified when my next enrollment period is opening for my courses that will allow you to kind of step into that process with all of us, be part of the community of people that are birthing books in this way. Okay, so with all of that intro out of the way, let's go ahead and dive in. How to birth a book. Oh, so here we go. We're holding this big kind of nebulous idea of a book. You have it inside you. You have this sense that something large is wanting to come through you. You are, have been doing discernment work that this is, it's an invitation to a book that's really been forming in you. So where do you get started? So one of the big pillars of, of what I teach here at Bookwifery is that there is a three-fold or a three-tiered process of birthing a book. And I say that it's your book, your voice, and your audience. A lot of people tend to focus on the book when they become aware that they're pregnant with a book, of course, and they're just thinking about like all the words they need to write, the big ideas, the chapters, the outline, um, how to make time to actually sit down and write. And it's like, that is that is the main thing in your, in your field of vision, which is totally understandable, explainable, all of that. Um, but it's one of the kind of missions I have here at Bookwifery is to help, you know, broaden your frame of vision to see that it's not just the book that's sitting here with you when you are pregnant with a book. It's also what I refer to as your voice and your audience. So there's these three tiers, your book, your voice, and your audience. Or maybe maybe a better way to say it right now is three legs of a stool. And without one of those legs, the stool is lopsided and falls over. <laughs> and so um, so you need all three of them to kind of be keeping you firmly planted every step of the way of book pregnancy. And so let me break down for you what I mean by each of those briefly. And then we're going to talk about how those show up throughout the process of book pregnancy so that you can bring a book into the world with um, success, with um, viability. So the book portion is probably no surprise to you to hear that it's the content. It's that you have enough here to fill a book, which is going to be approximately 60,000 words. Some books run up to 80,000 words. Some can go down to um, 40,000 words, even 20,000 words if it's, if it's kind of a petite book. Um, but kind of the average would be about 60,000 words. Um, you have enough content to say about the thing that you um, have within you, this work that you've been doing in the world, these ideas that you have been stewarding and teaching and extending into the world. You have enough of that to pour into a book to... Um, a medium that can fill a book size work. And so the book portion, your book is about having something to say. You have a lot in you, a lot of content, a lot of ideas, a lot of encouragement, a lot of wisdom. That is the book portion. But next to that is the second, the second leg of the stool is your voice. And this is where, um, the consideration of the publishing field comes into play. Um, a publisher is not just looking for any and any any and every book that could that 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 could be written by anyone who had a lot to say. <laughs> um, there is a clarification that comes where they're looking for one of two things, and sometimes two of two things. Um, the main thing is they're looking for what I call a unique contribution to an existing conversation. So this is where you're thinking about what other books in the marketplace are 
talking about this subject right now, and maybe even beyond books, it's like, where is the collective conversation going right now in this subject area? What are the markers that this is something people are interested in right now? They're talking about it. It's a hot topic. It's a timely topic. It's an important, enduring topic that continues to be to resonate. So a publisher is looking for ideas that people in the in the culture care about. So that is like the part of the definition of your voice that is the existing conversation. There's evidence that people are interested in this topic right now. And then the other part of that definition of voice is a unique contribution. So I designed, I defined your voice as a unique contribution to an existing conversation. So the existing conversation, like I said, is the evidence that there is interest in the market in this topic right now. And then the other piece of it is a unique contribution. And that's your part that you're bringing to the table. It's where you're saying, okay, this conversation is happening in the marketplace or in the culture right now. Here's some evidence of that. And here's what I'm bringing to that conversation that is unique. It's like a certain angle on the topic. It's it's a it's covering a, a hole in the conversation that's not being talked about. It's missing a piece, it, you know, another essential component or view. Um, so that's the main way I define voice is that you are bringing a unique contribution, your own slant on something that is um, evidenced as being an existing conversation. So um, this is the piece where for a publisher, the book needs to be marketable. And that's where knowing what the existing conversation is. Um, And it needs to be different as well. So they don't want to just keep publishing books that all say the same thing. They want to add to the conversation, just keep adding layers and textures by saying, well, what if we look at this, this topic from this angle? And oh, what is this? have to add to that conversation. It's like, it's creating this like rich, um, not legacy. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like, there's this, this broad field of study and each contribution adds a little bit more to it. And, um, so your part needs to be unique. Either I say one of two ways. One is that what you're adding is unique. So you might be putting something into that conversation space that hasn't been said yet. Like I said, filling a hole, adding another perspective, saying, oh, don't forget this. Or the second way that you can bring a unique contribution to an existing conversation is in the way that you say what you have to say. And this is where you know, the usual um, idea of your voice comes in where, you know, you have a certain way of speaking on the page or different authors do. And so some voices will speak to some readers more readily than others. And so you can come in and talk about a conversation that's already happening and you can be relaying information that's already out there, but you can be doing it in a way that's wholly unique to you. That brings a different way of hearing it, even if the material is already out there. So this is where it's helpful if you are entering a conversation space that is very, um, I wouldn't say saturated, but more like densely populated with conversation already happening. It's a a well-known topic. Having having your own way of saying it, kind of allowing the reader to feel like this is a fresh way of understanding something that we have been learning about for so long can be really helpful. Um, But what is... um, Um, what is often the more popular uh, approach that a publisher likes to see is that you're bringing something that hasn't quite been understood yet or is taking a new view of something. So this is where like in the business, um, 
field of books, there's all these different approaches to business that you might see. So there might be all kinds of books out there that are talking about, you know, startup businesses, but there's the lean startup method. And then there's the design thinking approach to starting a business. And it's like, there's all these different kind of little sub pockets of this bigger topic of starting a business. And it's, you know, these different authors and, um, well, in this case, entrepreneurs are bringing their own fresh perspective to that subject area. And so they're offering a different, different slant on the same topic. Okay, so we talked about your book being the content that you have to say. Then we talked about your voice being a unique contribution to an existing conversation, either by what you add to the conversation or how you say it in the conversation. And then the third leg of this stool is your audience. And this is where we're getting into people who would value receiving this book from you. So um, we're looking at we're looking at audience in kind of three layers here. One layer of the audience is kind of the target market for the book. It's like in all of the collective consumer individuals out there, there is a subset of all of consumers that would be particularly interested in this book. And you're, you're kind of thinking about what is that person like? What is it that they're looking for in their life that this book is going to speak to? What kinds of demographics are helpful to know about them? And that's kind of like the broader picture of the target audience for the book that helps your publisher know in their own marketing efforts, who are they trying to target with this book when they do their own marketing efforts? And then there's two other aspects of of your audience and people who would value receiving this book from you that are more within your own control. And these are the two ways that you bring something to the table for your publisher and for your book ultimately. And the first is... Um, the access that you have to other people who would be interested in this book through other channels. So this is um, your network of relationships, um, organizations that you're involved in, media opportunities you might have, um, speaking or teaching opportunities, places where other people give you access to their network of people. So if you're invited to teach at a, um, a college, and that college is giving you access to all of their people at that college that they invite to the event. And that becomes a platform building opportunity for you to say, okay, I was, I've been invited to speak at this place or teach a class at this place. And um, through that, I have an opportunity to promote the book to a, a an audience that's been invited to hear me speak on this topic. They're interested in this topic. Here's an opportunity to promote the book. So that's one aspect of your audience is places that you are given a chance to speak to someone else's existing audience or, or someone else speaks on your, on your behalf about your book to their audience. So that's, that would be cases of like reviews, people who choose to do reviews for your book or a launch team, people who, you know, agree to promote the book to their own networks of people on behalf of you because um, they believe in the book and they want to press it into the hands of the people that they know. So, um, so like I said, there's three ways you can think about audience. The first one is the target audience broadly, the kind of people that would be interested in this book that your that helps your publisher know who it is that they will be marketing the book to. The second one is um, access to people through other channels that are given to you. So that's, again, something you have some control over because you're the one that is getting access to those channels. And then the third way 
is access to people directly through your own channels. And this is where you're doing your own efforts in your own spaces, whether it's your website, um, your social media, your newsletter, um, a podcast, things that you are doing of your own accord to host spaces for the audience that you are seeking to serve and teach and help and reach. And so um, when it comes time to birthing your book, your publisher will be helped to know who the kind of broad target audience is for the book. And then your part is to say, these are the two avenues that I can pursue, um, whether it's access to, to an audience through other channels that I have connections to, or access to an audience through my own direct channels that I host and facilitate conversation. So, so here we've gone over your book, your voice, your audience, kind of giving you a sense of like the role that each of these play in bringing a book to life. So you need to have all three of these legs in place. You need to have Bookworthy content, you know, enough to say to fill a book. You need to have something to contribute to a conversation that's already happening in the culture and makes the book marketable. And then you need to have a sense of who the audience is for the book and how you personally are going to be accessing that audience yourself on behalf of your book so it can be successful. So those three legs, your book, your voice, your audience are kind of what I say that are the three, three-legged stool of book publishing. <laughs> and so, um, so when it comes to birthing a book, let's talk about how this shows up. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that a lot of times when people have a book in their kind of field of vision, they immediately go after that book and they start setting aside time every morning to work on it or on the weekends. And they just think, if I can just get this book out of me, then I'll figure out the rest of it. And what I like to um, teach is that well, what it's important for me to teach is just the truth, which is that the, there's something called a book proposal that comes about halfway through um, through the book pregnancy. Um, it's something that you're kind of building up towards in order to get a publisher, and then it's something that you are then kind of fleshing out and living out once you have the book publisher. So when it comes time to put the book proposal together, there's a lot of work that you're doing on, with each of those three legs of the stool on your way to the book proposal. And then there's things that you're doing on the other side of the book proposal that continue to tend each of those legs. So um, this is where having that project plan <laughs> that I talked about can be really helpful because it allows you to tend to, or to kind of build each of those legs along the way to the book proposal. Because once you get to the book proposal, it's going to ask you to fill in things about each of those legs, They're your book, your voice, and your audience, your um, knowledge of, your comprehension of, your kind of grasp of each of those things go directly into the book proposal. And so spending time prior to the book proposal, really working on and clarifying your sense of what each of those are goes a long way in securing you a book publisher and making you very attractive to a book publisher so that they feel like when they look at your proposal, they're coming across someone who has really done their homework, who really knows the book that they're bringing, the market that it's going into, and the people that it's going to serve. They that they know that this author has really thought it through and has a, an excellent plan in place for making it real. And so 
I like to say that um, the first trimester is about getting each of those legs situated. And then the second trimester is where you start to kind of build out that book proposal and sample chapters to kind of get into the hands of people who can make your book real. And then the third trimester is working with that partner um, to bring it to life, but also kind of doing your part with your audience pieces to like, you know, get the world ready to receive your book. And so, um, so let me break down for you some of the things that go into the book proposal that so that you can kind of get a feel for why it is that I say these three legs of the stool need to be present prior to doing the book proposal and why I say that your first trimester is like one of the most important things you can spend time on before you move further in your book pregnancy. So the book proposal includes, um, I'm going to list out seven major sections for you right now. One of them is the target audience. <laughs> so I talked about that already, that um, knowing who the audience is for the book, that that's a major section of the book proposal itself, where you're actually telling the publisher, this is who the book is for, and this is how I know that. And this is what it would be important for you to know about that audience and what they're looking for. Um, another major component of the book proposal is what it's called comparative titles or competitive titles. And this is where we're talking about your voice. We're talking, we're surveying the landscape and saying, okay, here's about five other titles in the marketplace right now. Or even here's a major um, website, you know, that that's hosting conversations about this right now. So you're looking at kind of the cultural moment around this conversation space. And you're, you're saying like, this is what's happening right now. These books are being published right now. This is what they're doing in the conversation. And this is how it's different from what I'm going to bring. And so you're, you're kind of distinguishing yourself from these other voices with your own voice. So here already, just the first two segments that I've named here, your target audience and your comparative titles you're already seeing two of the three legs are at play here, your audience and your voice. Um, next one is marketing and promotion. This is where you're breaking down your vision for what the promotion of the book can look like in the world. And so you're primarily talking about the things that you would do on behalf of the book to either get the book into other people's channels in front of their audiences. So that that is that, that second type of audience where you are going on to other people's people's channels and promoting the book to their audience, or through your own direct channels, through your social media, your website, um, things that you host for your audience directly. So your marketing and promotion section is primarily filled with those kinds of namings, those kinds of activities that you're willing to do on behalf of the book and that you're committing to do. And then you're also including some kind of vision pieces of like what you could imagine could also be done for the book that your publisher might take on or that the the two of you together might be able to make happen if there were additional resources. Um, okay, what else? Another thing that goes into your proposal is your annotated table of contents. And this is where you're breaking down every chapter of the book, the order that it goes in, but also what's going to go into each of those chapters and how they connect to the overall project of the book. So this is not just like a listing of the table of contents, and it's not just a kind of ABC outline of the book, but it's breaking it down and saying, okay, part one is going to include these three chapters. 
this the, part one is going to be kind of doing this on behalf of the overall project of the book. And here's what chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three are going to cover. And you're going to give several sentences that talk about the major ideas you're going to cover in that chapter, how it connects to what you're trying to communicate to the reader so that they keep moving forward in the path that your book is setting out for them. So here's a here's an aspect of the proposal that is connected to your book. So your book, your voice, your audience, the annotated table of contents is going to connect to your book part. That's where you have spent time prior to writing the book proposal in the second trimester. You have spent time really getting a handle on what goes, what is going to go into the book. You have really thought through all the major components of the book, all the different ideas that connect to those major components, the order that makes sense for them to go in, kind of getting a vision for how this is going to flow and what big ideas are included in there. And so you have spent time prior to the book proposal really getting into the content of your book. You just, you haven't written it all out, but you've really, you've, um, You've got all the bones there, as I like to say. You know what the large bones and the small bones and what connects to what and where things go. And you can like sketch it for for the publisher. Um, Additionally, with this, you're going to put some sample chapters into your proposal as well. And this is connected to your book piece as well. You're going to write up anywhere from one to three chapters that you attach to the proposal that's that allows the publisher to see not just the content of the book, like they get a real sense of like the meatiness of it, you know, the way that you approach your topic, but also your voice. Again, it's this this chance for them to hear how you say what you say, how you show up for the reader on the page. So Okay, so I've given you one, two, three, four, five of the seven major um, components that go into a book proposal. The other two that I didn't name yet are the overview section, which is at the very beginning. It's kind of like an executive summary. It gives kind of an overview of what is to come in the rest of the package. And the author bio, which is kind of your chance to show all of your credentials and why you have the, the chops to write the book. And so... The overview I view as kind of a a collection of your book, your voice, and your audience kind of all summed up in two to three pages. And the author bio I view as um, kind of more the voice and audience pieces coming together, kind of showing your own unique experience that you're bringing to the table, but also the exposure that you have had, the chances you've had to reach lots of different places, um, which is an aspect of your audience and your platform. So, okay. What I've done for you here is shown you this major event that happens in the second trimester of book pregnancy is the book proposal that allows a publisher to see what you have to offer with the book and say, yep, I want to publish this book. But prior to writing the proposal, you have to have done all of this work on this three-legged stool of your book, your voice, and your audience in order to even have all the information you need to bring that book proposal to life. (laughs) So what happens after that? After you've done all that work, in the first trimester on clarifying your book, your voice, and your audience, you get into the second trimester, you write your sample chapters and your book proposal, then what? Um, and this are the, these are the things that remain in the latter half of the second trimester and the third trimester up to delivery. And that is you move from writing the book proposal to what's called a querying process. And this is where, and maybe you've heard of this as well, But this is where you start to send out 
kind of like queries of interest to potential publishing partners that you think might be interested in this book. And these might be agents or they might be editors at publishing houses that would likely be interested in your subject matter. And so you'll do quite a bit of research finding individuals that fit this profile. They're looking for the kind of book that you publish. They have a way of getting in touch with them. And basically, you're initially sending them a letter of, of query letter. You're, you're asking, would it be possible for me to send you my package of materials? So you've done all this work already to put together your book proposal and your sample chapters, but you'd start by sending a letter that asks them if they would allow you to send that package to them. And so you spend a little bit of time drafting up a query letter that gives them kind of a sense of what the book project is, who you are to write it, why you think they specifically would be interested in, on it, in it based on you know previous titles they've represented or published, and um, asking them for permission to send it. And so, so you've done all this work on the book proposal and your sample chapters already. You have them ready to go, but then you start the querying process and you're, you're researching people that might be good partners for the book. You're asking them if they would be interested in you sending your proposal to them. And then if they say yes, you send it over and you start the waiting game. <laughs> you wait for people to nibble. Um, you wait for them to nibble on your query letter, and then you wait for them to nibble on your pr- pr- package of materials if they allow you to send them. And then you wait for them to nibble and send you a book contract if they want to go to that next or a letter of representation. Um, and so there's all of this kind of, there's this whole waiting period that happens after you finish your book proposal and you and your query letter and you start sending that out. And so during that time, I encourage you to be working on a few things. The first is keeping track of your querying process, keeping track of who you're sending your queries out to, what their responses are, who you sent your proposal package out to, what their responses are, um, dates that these things have happened so you know when the last contact was, and kind of keeping track of that. But uh, but alongside that is when I am encouraging you to finish writing the manuscript, continue working on the manuscript, and continue to cultivate your audience efforts either in your direct channels or in these other channels where you can have opportunities to reach other people's audiences. So you might write articles, you might secure speaking gigs, you might host a retreat somewhere, you might be invited to speak on or be interviewed on a podcast. Um, These are opportunities where you're continuing to build your authority, your um, visibility, and um, go deeper with the audience that you're serving directly. So you're doing that, and you're also finishing out the manuscript because your proposal only had a few sample chapters with it, and so now the remainder of the manuscript still has to be written. And so I just encourage you when you're in that querying period to keep working on the manuscript and keep doing your audience cultivation efforts. So there comes a point at which you are deciding here which publishing path is yours? Are you going the traditional publishing route or are you going to go the self-publishing route? And I'm going to do a separate episode coming up here soon on the difference between the two paths and how you might discern your way into which path is right for you. Um, But the nice thing here is that when you you go the traditional publishing path, once you do get a book contract and you have finished up your manuscript for them, 
your main point of focus at that point is turning your attention to the birth plan for your book. So you're in the third trimester at this point, once you have a book contract, you're in production for the book, but you've finished your manuscript and you are now just focused on bringing the book into the world for an audience that is ready to receive it. And so you're doing all of these, um, you know, cultivation and promotional um, opportunities that you listed out in your book proposal. And I love that because it allows the proposal to be kind of like a project plan for you of what you're going to do in your third trimester while your publisher's working on your book and occasionally getting back in touch with you to review um, edits and changes and um, cover comps and things like that. You are primarily focused on the birth plan for your book. That's if you're working traditional publishing. If you decide to go self-publishing route, the third trimester is where you have assembled your own production team and you are working to bring the book to life with your team that you've assembled. And so the third trimester is a bit more, um, it's a, it's a bit more chaotic for you if you are self-publishing because you're, you're kind of managing the creative project of bringing the book to life yourself with the team that you've assembled. And you are also tending to the birthing plan for the book so that there's an audience ready to receive it once it's here. So like I said, I'll do an episode directed solely towards traditional versus self-publishing differences and how to discern your way forward with that. I just wanted to give you a sense of like what's happening on the other side of book proposaling, querying, and book contract once you kind of get to that point. What is it that you're doing to help bring the book into the world? And so that third trimester is primarily production and birth plan. <laughs> Work in the birth plan. Um, so the book plan is, um, you know, the things that you're doing to promote the book with your own channels. It's getting publicity for the book by going on to other channels. I love to encourage authors to be creative with this. A lot of times um, when you contract with a publisher, they might have a list for you of things that they encourage you to do, like get your Facebook page going, get a newsletter going if you haven't already, um, assemble a launch team, do these kinds of things. Um, and it, you know, you're welcome to, depending on how strongly your, your publisher feels about you following their particular plan, you're welcome to take those steps. But what I love about the pro book proposal process in that marketing and promotion section is you have a chance to get really creative with what you can do with your own channels and networks of connections. What kinds of things could you envision happening for your book that you would just love to be a part of. And so it might be things like, you know, um, you, your book lends itself really well to doing a bunch of, um, Facebook lives or Instagram lives or some kind of a series on your Instagram account or uh, a mini podcast series, or, um, maybe even a mini course that you could invite people to go through that helps them get acquainted to some of the ideas that are a part of your book and gives them a chance to connect and get really excited about the ideas and see the way that they can help make their lives better. And so there's just like, there's really no end to what you could potentially do on behalf of your book to bring it into the world and get people excited and catching the vision for why these ideas are important and can help them. Um, but, you know, I encourage you way back at in the second trimester when you're working on your book proposal to be starting to get creative around that so that when you do get to the third trimester and the birthing plan time, You've got this whole project laid out for you of like, oh yeah, I wanted to do all these different things. And you can start to kind of set a plan for yourself to bring it to life. Um, so yeah, I, I'm guessing that by now you can tell that so much of 
birthing a book, when I say how to birth a book, it comes down to both planning and discernment. So there's a lot of discernment around, you know, how is what I'm doing different from what's already being done? That's your voice piece. Or where is it that I want to be bringing this conversation? And how do I want to be fostering that conversation? That's discernment around your audience. And, you know, it's like, um, who is it that I'm querying and where, am you know, these different invitations I've gotten to, you know, be represented by an agent or um, consider a book contract by a publisher. It's like, which ones are for me? That's discernment. But there's so much planning that goes in to each of these pieces and like putting things in the right order, going about them in kind of the right pace and uh, level of intention along the way. And so, yeah, I just, I really see how birthing a book comes down to planning and discernment so much of the time. And I love that that's the work that I get to do here at Book Wifery for and with you, um, because discernment and planning are kind of my, two of my favorite things to do and to be a part of. And so again, I just invite you, if you would like to have a partner um, that is helping you execute that plan um, by providing you, putting right in front of you what you need to be doing at what time, I encourage you to go to bookwithfree.com slash expecting, sign up for the notify list if you would like to be notified the next time enrollment opens so that you have someone that can help you kind of work that plan and discern your way forward. So thanks so much for listening. Blessings. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.